Hi, I am Shannon Hamrick, and some of you know me and some of you don't. I am an ordained deacon in this conference. I'm also a licensed clinical social worker, and I work as a pastoral counselor at the Center for Integrative Counseling and Psychology here in Dallas. And I am just so happy to be here with you today. This is a topic that's super close to my heart and embodies my ministry. Um, it was hard to narrow all of this down. I could have done a three-hour workshop. So fortunately for you, I've been editing and editing, and it's been good for me to uh, have the challenge to focus in on what's most important. Um, I grew up in the church, and some of my earliest memories in church are of running up to the chancel after services and eating the leftover communion bread off the table. <laughs> watching my dad um, drawing pictures in the bulletin when we used to have bulletins um, to keep me busy during worship, and coloring Bible pages during Sunday school. Lots and lots of Bible pages were colored in my childhood. Um, I even had a piece of paper taped to my bedroom door that I'd colored, and it had the, the greatest commandment scripture quoted on it which is a full circle moment for me because that's the scripture I'm using today. I loved singing the hymns and even the silly campfire songs and youth groupy songs because all of them taught me lessons in faith, in religion, in relationship with God. And I really felt comfortable in the community of church. When I was there, I felt known and loved and accepted. So because of my spiritual life in church and activities in youth group, uh, when I had a calling in high school, a nudging by God <clears throat> to be a mental health professional, I knew that my life's profession would include faith and spirituality since all healing comes from God. Little did I know though, that my childhood religious involvement was actually protective against the very mental health issues that I was called to address professionally. Research shows that active religious involvement is related to less depression, faster recovery from depression, less anxiety, reduced likelihood of post-traumatic stress disorder in military veterans, and less alcohol use, abuse, and dependence. <clears throat> Additionally, research shows an increased happiness and well-being and greater life satisfaction among those who are actively involved in religious communities. Dr. Lisa Miller is a psychologist at Columbia University, and she wrote a book called The Awakened Brain in which she lays out her scientific research on the protective powers of spirituality. Her research goes even beyond religious involvement to how a deep spirituality affects our brains. It shows that those with a strong spiritual core are 75 to 90% less likely to have a recurrence of depression and 80% less likely to become addicted. This is so important. This scientific researcher is saying that what we are doing right here today matters. 
It's wiring our brains in a way that brings about health and well-being. Because deepening our spirituality is a key part of maintaining our mental health, as well as healing from many mental health issues. So Dr. Miller goes on to say that there are two components of spirituality in, in defining what spirituality is. She says the first is our capacity to perceive relationship with God and to know through that relationship that we are loved and held. We are guided and never alone. And the second component of spirituality is the act of sharing that awareness of God with others and treating others as beings who are loved and held, who are guided and never alone. So a spiritual life, according to science, includes knowing God, allowing self to be loved by God, and loving others. Does that sound familiar? Jesus nailed that 2,000 years ago. <laughs> um, and we'll read that story. In the Gospel of Mark, um, we have this story. I'm reading from Mark 12, verses 28 through 34. Please hear the word of God. One of the legal experts heard their dispute and saw how well Jesus answered them. He came over and asked him, which commandment is the most important of all? And Jesus replied, the most important one is Israel. Listen, our God is the one Lord, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your being, with all your mind and with all your strength. And the second is this, you will love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. And the legal expert said to him, well said, teacher, you have truthfully said that God is one and there is no other besides God. And to love God with all of the heart a full understanding and all of one's strength, and to love one's neighbor as oneself is much more important than all kinds of entirely burned offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered with wisdom, he said to him, you aren't far from God's kingdom. After that, no one dared to ask him any more questions. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. So let's unpack this for a moment. The greatest commandment is often referred to as the double command, love God, love neighbor. But really, it's more like a three-legged stool. One leg represents loving God, another is loving neighbor, and the third is loving self. And all three legs need to be of equal length or the stool will be unsteady. If one is too long or one too short, the stool will fall over and the person trying to sit on it may be hurt. This command by Jesus is to love God, love neighbor, and love self equally. However, it's not a command to do more as in checking items off a list. Like love God, check. Love neighbor, check, check. Love self, 
is speaking to how we are to orient our life to take on our identity as Jesus followers. Rather than a list of to-dos, Jesus is telling us that these three loves are the elements of a God-centered life. Taking this commandment deeper into our beings is a part of moving towards stronger spirituality and, and therefore more wholeness and healing in our lives. And we're pretty good at the loving God part. We express our love here in worship and in small group studies and personal devotion. And we're also pretty engaged in loving neighbor through service and mission. And I'll get back to that love in a little bit. But I want to focus here today on that third leg of our spiritual stool. It's the part that doesn't get quite as much airtime. Um, yet it's the leg of our spiritual stool that forms us, inspires us, and allows us to engage in life from all three legs with all three loves. So loving self as God intends can be a little bit tricky to grasp in this culture that promotes self-love as narcissistic selfishness. Loving self within relationship with God is more than an exercise in positive self-talk or building self-esteem through ego-driven rituals. You know, those suggestions we hear that rely on our humanity rather than relying on God. Loving self as God intends is connecting. It means loving ourselves the way that God loves us. Our ego will say, I need to connect with God. I need to connect with God's love as if it's ours to initiate. But spirit says, we're already connected, always. Because we're born with that kind of self-love, it's hardwired into our beings. But over time, as we experience ourselves in relationship with others, we can become disconnected to who we are. We learn how to show up to make others happy or to follow their rules. We learn what personality traits help us to survive. We learn what is expected of us to get by in our family, at school, at church, and with friends. And we learn to seek affirmation and validation from others and forget that it's all within us at our core. Because God's deep and abiding love within us is our birthright. But over top of God's love within gets layered personality and expectations and traumas and criticisms and shame and any uh, number of other human experiences that can lead to disconnection with self. And sometimes these things are involved with mental illnesses. And there are many forms of mental health issues. And what I'm thinking about in this context today is the type that afflict most of this population at some point or another. Things like anxiety and depression, compulsive behaviors, unresolved grief, anger, worry, shame, poor stress management, relationship conflicts. When those issues arise out of very difficult situations in life, we need support and guidance to work through them. 
And sometimes our brains develop with chemical imbalances that need evening out in order for us to more fully embrace the fullness of life. And always, mental health issues are associated with struggles and difficulties. And in the midst of any of those struggles, it's easy to become disconnected and lose sight of God with us, God in us, our divine source of love and life. So I had a client once who I'll call Eli. He was in his late 30s. And he came in and told me he needed a place to analyze life outside his own head. So we started doing some work together, and as therapy progressed, I learned that Eli suffered from pretty severe anxiety, especially with regard to his role in relationships. He always felt like he had to hold together family members or friends or people at work who disagreed. He worked really hard to meet their needs, and then he'd want to pull away from them when he couldn't figure out what they needed or when he was overwhelmed by their needs. And over time, Eli learned that he had taken on a role that didn't serve him well and left him feeling empty and spent. His well-intentioned desire to please others and keep them feeling okay and help meet their needs, that desire ended up ironically hurting his relationship with them and disconnecting him from himself. So a big part of Eli's therapy was helping him learn to listen to and trust that voice within himself, God's still small voice that told him what felt good to him and what was right for him, even if it wasn't somebody else's preference. And another therapeutic task was to help him learn to tolerate the discomfort of others wanting something from him that he wasn't willing or able to, to offer. And as Eli slowly became more connected to himself and learned to trust that voice within, his anxiety lessened. He was also able to connect more fully with others and have more satisfying relationships, as well as feel less compelled to control others. It was a long process for him. But when he ended therapy, Eli knew who he was at his very core. He experienced God's love with him, and he therefore was able to engage in relationships from a place of security and trust and self-love. And just to be sure, that doesn't mean he lives happily ever after. He'll have struggles along life's journey, and likely his anxious tendencies will resurface, probably in times of stress. But now Eli knows what he knows, and he can return to that foundation of love and trust within himself. He can remember who he is, and hopefully he'll notice before he completely forgets. It will be a little easier the next time to reconnect with himself. And we all have that possibility within us, whether we're secure in ourselves at this very moment, or maybe we're in a season of experiencing our own brokenness front and center. There's always room for healing. There's always room 
for increased spiritual depth in this life's journey. There's room to wake up to or become more deeply in touch with the divine within us, aware that we are loved and held as precious children of God, that we are guided by the Holy Spirit and we are never alone. So one way to wake up to God's love is to internalize the words that Jesus heard at his baptism. These words may be familiar to you. The Gospel of Mark tells us that John baptized Jesus in the Jordan River. And when he was coming up out of the water, Jesus saw heaven splitting open and the spirit like a dove coming down. And there was a voice from heaven that said, you are my son whom I dearly love. In you, I find happiness. That's a touchstone for us in developing our own spiritual core. When we've forgotten who we are for whatever reason, we can look in the mirror and we can hear God's reminding voice saying, you are my child whom I dearly love. In you, I find happiness. And we don't continuously live out of that space. But that knowing is always there. It's always available to us. It's like it's running in the background of our lives all the time. And we can keep coming back to it, bringing God's deep love for us into our conscious awareness. And fortunately for us, that's something that can happen in community. And one of the many benefits of participating in a congregation such as this one, because through word and music, And through ritual and community, we remember again who God is, who we are, and how we are supposed to live. In community, we can check the legs of our spiritual stool and even them up as needed. And we can help each other to remember and receive God's divine love yet again. She makes me think of a client in um, her mid-20s who I'll call April. Uh, Early in our time together, she met and married a man who ended up treating her with violence and extreme control. And pretty soon, April was no longer allowed to attend her therapy sessions. Her husband worked late at night, and sometimes he didn't lock up her phone before he left for work. So every few weeks, I got a late night call from April. And she told me what was happening in her life. And I listened. And I let her know that she's beautiful and precious and that nobody deserves to be treated how she was. We talked about what love is and what it's not. We talked about a safety plan and choices that she can make when she's ready to. And to be honest, I don't really remember all that happened in those calls with April. What I remember most is that when she was finally able to get out of that situation and she resumed her therapy sessions with me, she told me that she had felt so scared and isolated in her marriage. She said she was told things about herself that weren't true, and she got really confused about what to believe and what not to believe about herself. 
She said that when she would forget who she was, she would call me so that I could help her remember. She knew it deep inside, and she knew how to find a resource to help her remember. Sometimes we need to hear God's words through another person, such as April. April needed to hear, you are God's child, whom God dearly loves, and in you God finds happiness. And I thank God that April was able to extract herself from that situation, and because that situation was designed for her to forget who she was. And I thank God that I was available to be a connection and to help her remember what she already knew deep inside. And I'm certain that God was speaking through me in those late night phone calls, that God was touching her heart, her spirit. God was filling her thirsty soul with living water. And and fortunately, we don't all relate closely to April's story. But when we're not connected to who we are, whatever our story is, it's so difficult to know and receive and share love. When we're in a struggle with a friend or with our kids or in a disagreement with our spouse or crazy stressed at work, it's so hard to access our full selves. We may become more anxious or need more control or have less patience with others. I don't know about you, but I can relate to all of that. We're also less likely to be playful or find space for rest or ease. But just as April's late night phone calls helped her to reconnect with who she is and how much she's loved, we can each find our own touchstones that help us to remember. And they may be practices or people or experiences that we engage in, but we can find those places and those words that help us to remember. Many mental health issues uh, include struggles with disconnection from self and ultimately from God. Deepening spirituality and reconnecting with God and loving self as God intends isn't a fix to our mental health struggles. But for many pains, deepening our spiritual growth is not only preventative, but it's also an important component to a lifelong journey of healing and wholeness. So the three legs of our spiritual stool are connected at the seat. So imagine that the seat of the stool, the thing that holds it all together, is God's deep and generous and unending love. When we're connected to that love, we can practice all three loves that Jesus recited in the greatest commandment. Tapping into God's ever-present love helps us build our spiritual core, which, as we heard just a few minutes ago, is scientifically shown to decrease mood disorders and increase overall well-being. And sometimes building our spiritual core means actively receiving, 
allowing an openness to God's love so we can love ourselves as God loves us. And we'll engage in a practice of personal awareness in just a moment. But first, I do want to acknowledge that sometimes growing spiritually also involves loving others, not just by giving in service and mission, but also, and this is a little more challenging, by adjusting the way that we identify with them. Because just as we're called to see ourselves through God's lens of love, Jesus also calls us to see our neighbor through that same lens. And some people are more challenging than others to see through God's lens of love. Like maybe someone you're in deep competition with or you just don't like. Or one of those agree to disagree family members or friends or someone with whom you're in a serious argument. And it's tempting to say, I'm just gonna let God love them. Right? Who hasn't said that, right? And then we can kind of wash our hands of them. And that's a start because that helps recognize that they are worthy of God's love, but it's not an end. Mm -mm. More growth is needed. Because with deepened spiritual growth comes a greater ability to love our neighbors as God loves them. To know deep within that we are all connected in God's spirit. Jesus commands us to see our neighbors as God sees them. And it's something to strive for as we deepen our spiritual core and straighten up those legs on our spiritual three-legged stool. So as we begin to wrap up, I invite you to join me in a brief spiritual practice. Take a deep breath and close your eyes if you'd like to as you feel the contact points where your body is supported. Check in with yourself and with God. Where do you experience God right now? Is God way up above? Is God present somewhere around here? Is God sitting right next to you? Do you relate to God in your head by thinking about God? In your heart by feeling God? In your gut? by knowing God? Is God's love welling up from deep within? Wherever God is for you, sit with God, God's spirit, God's love. Allow an openness to God loving you more than you can imagine. An openness to inviting you to love yourself as God loves you. Hear God saying to you, you are my child whom I dearly love. In you, I find happiness. And as we even up the legs on our spiritual stool, imagine looking at the neighbors in your world those people at home and at work, 
and yes, even our controversial neighbors on the news, and say to them with assurance, they are God's child whom God dearly loves. In them, God finds happiness. Friends, Jesus calls us for our very health and well-being, for life and wholeness. Jesus calls us to love God and love neighbor and love self. May it be so. Amen.